All right, let's rock and roll. Super excited for tonight's session. We, before we get rolling with Zach Sorensen, I think one of the things I wanted to bring the awareness of the players on the call is, you know, if you look at Major League Baseball right now, last week, Corbin Burns, pitcher for the Brewers, set a Major League record as a starting pitcher for the most strikeouts to start a season without a walk. So going into tonight's game, he had stricken out 40 guys, no walks, he had a .4 ERA. And right now he's pitching tonight against the um, against the Marlins, and he just came out of the game. But his stat line for tonight obviously didn't go his way as he wanted to with four runs, but five innings pitched, eight hits, four runs, so knock right there. Nine strikeouts, no walks. Now the major league record, okay, for strikeouts without a walk is held by Kelly Jansen, who is a reliever, fifty-one. So Corbin right now is at forty-nine. Strikeouts without a walk. Obviously, he's not happy about the eight hits and the four and runs. Um, but the neat thing about Corbin, fellas, is in 2018, he was 7-0 and out of the bullpen for the Brewers. 2019, they tried to make him a starter. In his it, As a starter with at least 40 innings. Okay, here's a stat for you. As a starter with at least 40 innings to start the season, he has the worst ERA in Major League history. ERA over 10. Most guys, if they have an ERA over 10, they don't get 40 innings in consecutive starts, right? 2000, in that 2019, they take him from, from the starter. They go, okay, he can't start. Let's put him in the bullpen. Struggles in the bullpen. They send him to AAA, send him to AA, back as a starter. Eventually, he's all messed up, and they go, this, we, let's send this guy to the pitching lab in Arizona at spring training. So he comes out to the pitching lab. Before he stops at the lab, he stops at the house, and we sit down and break it down for the first time. And we talked about the success checklist, which was the first thing that we talked about on this, on this call on week one. We talked about his process between starts, which we shared with you. And he ends up, you know, not doing much better in 2019, but 2020, he's sixth in the Cy Young. Uh, I got invited, Aaron and I, my wife got invited to go to his wedding in 2020, which was really special. I think for us as coaches, when you get to go to players' weddings, that's a really, really cool event. And now here in, um, you know, 2021, he's having the best start potentially ever to a season as a major league pitcher. So that big turnaround in two years from 19 to 21 fellas, he's, you know, he, he's given up the four seamer to, to throw a two seamer. So he's got a little bit more pitch action, right. And he's really good at tunneling four pitches that look like they're the same pitch. So there's definitely some pitching mechanic adjustment things that he's made, but the biggest adjustment he would tell you would be his mindset. And if you guys go to my YouTube channel, uh, I'll put a link here. There's been a couple cool videos about Corbin and his mental game and him using a success checklist and him selling out to one pitch at a time and him being a, a, a commitment to the process. There's basically four interviews that I think are really good that I want to share with you guys and I'll send you a link. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see it's you know them talking about his turnaround, him talking about the mental game, him talking about the success checklist, and then him talking about basically how his mindset is you know, as he's out there pitching, trying to break this major league record, right? So I would encourage you guys to watch those. Maybe coaches, you can share those with your team. They're all about three minutes long. And then that can lead to a discussion about some of the things that he's doing that we're doing one pitch at a time, focused on the process, controlling what I can control, sticking to my routine. He's saying the same exact stuff that we're saying. So I wanted to share that with you guys because I thought it was pretty cool. You know, that here's one of the guys that, that arguably is the best pitcher in baseball right now. And he's doing the same work that you guys are doing. So stay the course, right? It's not a magic pill. It didn't change for him overnight. It's been a process. He's continuing to get better with it. 
And I'm working as hard as I can to get him on our week 10 call to come on here and talk about that and let you guys kind of get a chance to, to meet him and interview him a little bit about, about what he's doing. So that would be really cool. Tonight, I'm excited to continue a series. Last night, we dove into this with your coaches and we talked about Zach Sorensen. He's the Major League Mental Performance Coach with the Atlanta Braves, former Major League Baseball player and the author of The Hard 90. And last night, we had the chance to talk about kind of the hard 90 for coaches. And tonight, we're going to talk about the hard 90 for athletes. So players on the call that have read the book, I would love for you to share any questions that you have for Zach inside of the chat. And I'll either facilitate those questions or call on you to join us live. We're going to treat this tonight like a podcast of Zach speaking to high school baseball players so that we have a chance to come back to it and learn from it on a consistent basis more than just tonight. So with that, Zach Sorensen, he's here at the Major League uh, Baseball Mental Performance Coach of the Atlanta Braves, author of The Hard 90, creator of The Hard 90 Podcast. Zach, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, super pumped to be here to be able to share you know, some of my past experiences, also hopefully some insight on, on the mental game. However, just, just the game in general. So like, like, like Kaner just told you guys, if you have questions for me about anything, okay, let's throw them out here tonight. Let's dive into them because, you know, after tonight's call, you know, it, it, it'll be more difficult to get, get a hold of me. So the questions spur into great conversations. And that's what this is all about, giving you guys what you need to get yourself from where you are to where you want to be. So, so thanks for letting me come on out here. And, uh, and I, I think it's always good, Kane, if you're okay with that. Let's jump into just a little bit of relaxation meditation to just to get us started. You good with that, Kaner? Always. I never complain about a little relaxation. Yeah, this is always something we do with my guys, something I, I like to do with my players. And interestingly enough, uh, players that are on this call as well as coaches, I am getting more and more requests from my players at the minor league and major league level to jump into meditation. Okay. And I think there's a reason why, because that's where we need to be as a player. So let's go ahead and jump into it. All right. Make sure you get yourself in a good, comfortable position. All right. Let's make sure your feet are on the floor, sit up tall. Okay. And really what we're going to do here, we're going to call this the ball meditation. Okay. Whenever we go play sports, the very first thing we do is we grab a ball. So we're going to talk about ball meditation, B-A-L-L. So as you're sitting in your chair in a nice relaxed position, I want you to right now pick out a focal point on the wall in front of you. Stare at that focal point, and then I want you to slowly close your eyes. As we do ball meditation today, we're going to start focusing on our breath, okay? And I want you to understand the importance of your breath. The breath is where it's all going to happen for you guys out there on the playing field, at home, at school, no matter what it is you're going to do. I want you to start inhaling and recognize and feel what it feels like to inhale and then to exhale. As we do that, we're going to inhale for a count of five. You're going to inhale for five. We're going to do a box meditation today with our breathing. We're going to inhale for five, hold for five, out for five, and hold for five. Let's go ahead and get started working on the B in your ball meditation, which is your breath. Inhale, two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, as you keep going through your breathing exercise, I want you to pay attention to your breath. When you're out there competing in your game and you feel like the game is speeding up on you, always go to your breath. The breath allows you to relax 
It allows you to focus. Always use your breath. Maintain your breath and keep focusing on that as we shift into the A in ball, which is awareness. As you're sitting up in your chair, I want you to, to wiggle your toes. As you're wiggling your toes, I want you to feel the floor beneath your feet. That's awareness. When you have awareness, you are where your feet are and you can be where your feet are because it's only about where you are at at this moment. Now, sometimes your mind is going to wander when you're doing your breathing exercises in your meditation. That's okay. Just let that thought pass by. Don't get upset and always go back to your breath. Maintain your awareness. Rub your hands on the top of your, your legs just a little bit. Have awareness in, in, in what you're feeling. It's all about awareness at this point. Think about your breath. Think about your awareness. It's just about this moment, just like it's about one pitch at a time when you're on the playing field. Now I want in your mind to start thinking about as we go to the L in ball, the first L in ball, we're going to look back to when you had a success on the playing field, the last time you dominated on the playing field, where you got it done out there, whether it be on the mound when you dominated or as a hitter when you were in the zone. This is a green light moment. What did it feel like? What did it smell like out there? What were you wearing? Remember those moments. See the ball hitting the glove. See the bat making contact with the ball. We're going to dive into the, the second L of the ball meditation, which is looking forward. I want you to think about the next time you're going to go out there on the playing field, whether it be in practice or in a game. And I want you to take those same feelings with you, the same thoughts that you had with you. What is it going to look like? What is it going to feel like? Back to your breath. Wiggle your toes and have awareness. And let's go back to our five-by-five five breathing. Inhale for two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five. And go ahead and slowly open your eyes and come back to the room right now. And that will complete your five-by-five five ball meditation for the day. Awesome, guys. Thanks for doing that for me right there. That just took a couple minutes, and my players are absolutely loving that. Uh, one thing that I'm starting to become interested in, and, and this is something that I will, I will get back to you on, is they're using bilateral music in the back of their meditation sessions. Bilateral music is supposed to stimulate both sides of the brain, and it's going to help with some anxiety and different types of things. So I will get back to you on that as I learn more about that, because that's what we're doing in the role that I have right now, as well as the role that you guys have as players. Our job is to have this never ending eagerness to get better. You want to learn something new every single day, every single hour, every single minute. We are always trying to learn something and that's why you need to be asking questions. All right. So if you have questions tonight, throw them out there. So again, I'm super pumped to have you guys on here. Um, you know, th this past year, I was able to do a lot of really fun things. Uh, I got hired by the Atlanta Braves to work with their minor league players. And it was a crazy year, as you guys all know. So I didn't get to be with them as often as I wanted, but it gave me time to take advantage of an opportunity that I'll never get again to do some things that I want to do. And that's where I, I was able to complete and write the hard 90. So why did I title it the hard 90? Everywhere I go, okay, whether I'm up speaking to the Bingham Miners, okay, with, with Coach Sato, I ask everybody that I go speak to, 
what percentage of this game is mental? And everybody always looks at me and they say 90. And then I say, how often are you training the mental game? And the answer is not very often. So it's the 90% of the game that we do less than 10% of the time. All right. And, and it's something that I want you guys to start implementing just a little bit each and every day into your game. And, you know, your coaches have been relentless about gaining as much information about the mental game for the past six, seven, eight weeks. And they're going to be able to share that with you. And I love that. Okay. So um, as we kind of dive into the hard 90, just a little bit, there's a few things I want to touch on today, but even more important than what I want to touch on is what you want to touch on. So throw those things out there. And I do have a question right here, but right before I get to that question, Underneath the hard 90, it says how to prepare, compete, and progress in the mental game. And here's why I put that on there, okay? I think the training the mental game happens in three different components, in three different phases. We have the prepare phase, which takes place before the game starts. Maybe that's before the season starts, before the game starts. It's before the competition. You have the compete phase, which takes place during the competition, okay? And then you have the progress phase, which takes place after. So each and every skill that I throw out to my players, okay, based on the word phenom, which I have written right here, process over outcome, honest self-evaluation, emotional control, never-ending eagerness to get better, overpowering adversity and embracing failure, and then mastering your mental imagery and self-talk. Each and every one of these has a drill that you can do that will take place in the prepare in the compete and the progress phase. So that's kind of the breakdown of what the book is all about. It has a lot of crazy fun stories in there. Um, and, and hopefully you'll enjoy those, but, but dive into that book. And then also a side note, and, and we'll put it in here so you guys have access to it. But the Hard 90 podcast, you can find on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify, also follows the format of the book. You're going to get a four-minute message Monday through Friday, and hopefully you'll love the messages that are coming your way. But my whole idea behind all of it is I'm going to give you a little bit of information a lot of the time. And I think that's what it's going to come down to for you guys to be able to get that mental edge or mental advantage over your opponent. All right. Awesome, Zach. And for, you know, it's funny, I was going to ask you to kick off the call today and I want to say Ryan Lacasse. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Ryan Lacasse, if he's up there north of the border in Canada, he came in and he said, Zach, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were playing high school baseball, man? If you could rewind and go back to Utah and grab yourself as a player and, and have that conversation going, hey, young Zach, this is what I know now. Yeah. It's funny as I was trying to figure out what to talk to you guys about tonight and kind of mention what I want to talk about. I've got written up at the top of my notes, a letter to my younger self. Okay. And, and, and so if I were to write a letter to my younger self, what would I talk about? Um, I think the very, very main thing is I was ultra and, and part of this is good. And part of this pushed me. And, and for those that, you know, had a chance to get to know me like coach Sato, as I was coming through the system, this was also a strength of mine. However, it kind of hindered me in my progress. I was ultra focused on my main goal. My main goal was to play in the big leagues. Okay. And, and, and just like it's probably everybody on here, your main goal is to play in the big leagues. Here's one concern I have about that. When you are ultra focused on a goal that is not going to happen for a long time. Okay. And I think that's where we're at right now. being realistic. You are never okay with where you're at. And it's not that I want you to be okay with where you're at, but 
it's like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. And until it's on, it's always off. And what I'm worried about with some of our players these days is the biggest thing that's keeping you from being the very best player that you can be is your belief system. Is you feeling like you are good enough? I had a, you know, a 30 minute call with, with Brian Kane earlier today about the concept of being good enough. And we may go there tonight, but I was so you know, I, I never measured up to where I wanted to be because I wasn't a big league player. So I was always disappointed in who I was. So if I were to go back to myself, I would say, let's start focusing on the things that you can control. Can I control if I get called up to the big leagues? No. Can I get, can I control if I uh, make the all-star team? Not really. I can influence it, but I can't control it. Can I control if I'm in the starting nine? No, I can influence it, but I can't control it. Can I control if I get a hit at night? in my game. I can't. And so for me, I was ultra focused on things that I couldn't control. And if I could go back again, I would break that down and say, you know what, the very most important thing I can do is make sure that I'm focusing on things that I can control. And I know we've hit that really hard, but honestly, what's crazy about that is, 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 you know, if you focus on things you can't control, and I know you guys have heard this before you become out of control, Another way you can say it is if you focus on things that you can't control, those things start controlling you. And I saw that in myself as a player. I would, I would get three hits and make an error, and I'd be so frustrated. I'd go home at nighttime, and I, I'd, I'd be the person who I didn't want to be. I'd be short-tempered, and I'd be upset and angry. And what I needed to learn how to do was to find a way to establish a routine that allowed me to play not only game by game, but even pitch by pitch. Because what happens, I think, in high school baseball is if you have a bad game, you roll that into your next game. All right. And, and when you have two bad games, you get even more angry and upset. You roll that into your next game. So what we want to do is we want to power you guys with tools that you can use to help you go from game to game to game so that you start over every single day. Does that make sense? Love that. I think, I think that's fantastic. The, the other piece, Zach, I think that you know, when you're talking about how you separate game to game is having a physical trigger that you use. And you talked about the uniform and you would not take the Jersey off until that was done. Would you just kind of unpack for us the, the importance of a physical trigger that says, okay, baseball starts, baseball ends so that we're not taking that with us all the time. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. And that's one of the main things I teach my my players right now, whether it be the major league pitchers I get a chance to work with or all my minor league guys or whomever it is, is we have got to find a way to, I guess it's fair to say, bookend our day. Okay, so here's what my post-game routine looks like as a player. And I know your guys is slightly different because you're not going into a clubhouse and no one's doing your laundry for you. But here's what it looked like for me. When I come in off the field, the game is over. Okay. Now I'm probably emotional, whether it be emotionally high or emotionally down low. Okay. Cause, cause that's where we're at sometimes as players. And we got to find a way to manage that, but that we'll talk about that another time. When I come in off the field, I go into the clubhouse. The very first thing I do. Okay. One of the very first things I do is I sit down and I complete my well, better how now I know that we've talked about the well, better how before, but it's a journal that I have and I have all of my guys doing it. It's a very simple journaling. What did I do? Well, what do I want to do better and how am I going to do it? This is a time for me to reflect. Brian talks about reflection as his third step in the success cycle. Okay, reflection. It's exactly what I'm doing right here. So this is what I did well, what I want to do better and how am I going to do it? Let me give you a quick example. What did I do well? Oftentimes we'll put like outcome 
things here. Okay, I got three hits. Excellent. Great job. I made three great plays. I got good reads on ground balls to my left because I've been working on that. What do I want to do better? Well, my last at bat, I got picked off first base by a left-handed pitcher. Okay. So how am I going to get better at it? Well, tomorrow I'm going to grab, and I have written here, what is my 1424? And I want everybody, if you have a piece of paper and a pen right now to write down 1424. Okay. Because I think this is one of the most powerful things you can do as a player at your guys' age right now. 14 minutes and 24 seconds is 1% of your day. If you can commit, let me change that word. If you can invest 14 minutes and 24 seconds into the mental game, you will be a mental machine in no time at all. 14 minutes and 24 seconds. And so I apply this. So what am I going to do to get better? Well, tomorrow I'm going to grab one of my buddies who's a left-handed pitcher. And for 10 minutes, he's going to show me his move over at first base. All right. And then I'm going to go watch video for four minutes and 24 seconds. Bam. I had a mistake happen to me. I got picked off first base. I had a weakness that was exposed. And all of a sudden, here we go. I'm going to attack him. Here's what's awesome about this. Instead of me going home at night, all upset and angry, I'm going home with the game plan on how I can get better tomorrow. And how do you gain confidence? You do confidence. How do you do confidence? You work on things that you're struggling with and you overpower them and become better at them. How do you do that? You do that with establishing a 1424. So if I don't talk to you on this call, okay, McBride, if I don't talk to you for, for six months, I show up to your ballpark, okay, up, up at Bingham, and I say, what is your 1424? And you can tell me what it is. I know you're getting better every day. So I love that. Okay, next thing, controllables. These are things we talk about all the time. These are things you can control. Attitude perspective, body language, preparation, competitiveness. You guys, you guys get those. I have my, I grade myself on these each and every day. Why? Because I can bring this every day. I might not feel good at the plate, but I can have energy. Okay. I might not have all of my pitches on the mound, but my effort can always be there. I have the date written down here. And then I got this box down here. If I have a game that I'm super pleased with and happy with, I will fill this box in with a green uh, Sharpie. And why do I do that? Because if I'm struggling, I'm going to flip back through and see what I did that day. So I sit down and I fill out my well, better how. All right. And after I get done with my well, better how, I usually go get something to eat or whatever it may be. But that's when I take my jersey off. And that signifies to me that my day that game is over. I've broken it down. I've gathered all the information I can gather. I've analyzed what I need to analyze and I've gotten better because of what happened right there. So the Jersey comes off. That game is over. All right. I, I do my thing. I get done eating. Then I go in the shower and the shower is a really important part for me because what I'm doing is I'm washing everything off. Okay. And I actually physically watch the water go down the drain. And as it goes down the drain, okay, that says it, that that is getting washed away. So today is gone because it's not about yesterday. It's not about tomorrow. It's only about today. Okay. So we got to wash this day away. I also think about my Jersey. My Jersey is going to go through a laundering. It's going to get washed. And so tomorrow it's going to be ready for a new day. As I, as I gather up, I get things ready to go. My emotions are back to being neutral. All right. The very last thing I do before I leave the ballpark each and every day is I walk in and I flush the toilet. I physically flush the toilet because that shows me it's time to flush. So for me, that is how I end my day each and every day. And what you'll find out is I'm not going home angry. I'm not even going home super excited. I'm going home day in and day out with the same emotional uh, level as I can. Because when I show up to the ballpark each and every day, nobody should know if I had a good day yesterday or a bad day yesterday. It should all be the same because you have to start over every single day. So, you know, that's something that I've always used. And, 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 you know, to keep elaborating on that whole concept, we can break this down even further. Uh, how do you, you know, one of the big things I hear from high school coaches is 
how do you help a player who's up the bat? He has a tough at bat. Okay. I give him that we were just talking about small ball and bunting. I give him the bunt sign. He goes to put the bunt down foul ball. I give him the bunt sign again. He goes and he pulls back strike two. All right. So now of course I'm going to let him swing away and he strikes out. So you have a very tough at bat in a situation where we needed you to come through with the team. You make the out. Our next guy pops up. Okay, whatever. The inning's over. Now you got to go out and play defense in a tight game. How are you going to be ready to go play defense? All right. So what we want to do is we want to start teaching you some tools. And and Kane and I were talking about this earlier today. And Kane, jump in here if you have anything you want to throw out there. But we want you to play mental games with yourself. Okay, so mental toughness or the mental edge that you can develop is all about playing mental games with yourself. So how are you going to do that? So if I were a player these days, and I didn't do it when I was a player, but I definitely would if I were now, if I'm out there playing for my team, I would be a wristband guy. Okay. And I would wear wristbands. And if you don't like to show them, you can hide them up underneath your jersey. But I'm a wristband guy. And I would have three different color wristbands. Every single time it was time for me to go hit, I would put on my hitting wristband. Okay, so this blue wristband is going to be my hitting wristband. That tells me right now that I am a hitter. All right, so I go up there, I do my thing, I give it my best, I, I control what I can control. I, I, I'm attacking the baseball. I, I have my three, my three, uh, you know, rumble strips that keep it simple. All right, I say, see the ball. Uh, not stay easy and, and hammer it. Okay. Those are my three rumble strips. I go up there. I do whatever I do. Let's say I go out there and I hit a double. I'm digging myself. All is good. And then they make the third out. I still have to go play defense now, even though I'm digging myself or I punch out strikeout. Like we talked about before, I have to go play defense. So it's time to shift. So what do you do now? Well, now you take your hitting wristband off. Okay. And you have a different wristband that you're going to go put on. This is my defensive wristband. And now it's time to play defense. So what, I, what I'm trying to get at right here is start playing mental games with yourselves that allow you to be your very best each and every single play. And if you can manage that somehow, if you can find a way to master that, to play these mental games, if you can do that to play this game one pitch at a time, you will play this game for a long time. And Zach, you know, some of the questions that came in here, we're going to put you on the hot seat. So we'll kind of go like quick question, quick answer, but enough answer in depth where yeah. you answer the question so we can get through some of these here because I want to be respectful of, of people's time. One of the questions from Alex Downey is he said, Zach, what strategies can someone use to make adversity their advantage? Yeah. So adversity, you just have to fail forward. So I broke my hand one year. And, and so I said, okay, I've got some time. All right, now it's time for me to work on things I don't do well. Take advantage of that. It, you know, whenever you go through adversity, you need to break it down, look at it, and you need to find a way how you can get better because of that. So um, whether it be time off, time away from the game, or or, or simple, Let, let's do a mind shift perspective. When you break your hand, like I broke my hand in college, my hand is way stronger now than it ever was before I broke my hand. It's a mind trick. It's a mind game. Okay, so start playing mental games with yourself. My hand is stronger now because I've got two screws in it than it was before I broke it. So now I'm made of iron and it's time to go hit. So start playing those mind games with yourself anytime you can. Love that. It's one of the things that Sean Casey, who's, you know, potentially a Hall of Fame hitter said is the same thing. You got to play mental games with yourself to get you where you need to be on that day to compete. And Zach, a question that came in from, from Daniel, as he said, is there a difference in your opinion between working hard and overworking? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And, and even even different than working hard and overworking, my biggest thing is let's work with purpose on purpose. 
Okay. So if you're out there working and you have purpose and intent behind it, you don't need to be out there for four hours, but if you have purpose and intent and you're going to accomplish something, go get it done and then move on. Allow yourself to move on. Okay. I use the 1424. I have several different 1424s in my life. I attack them and make them work. Put your work in, get your work done, evaluate it, and then move on. So yeah, I, I think there is, and I think you can overwork, but I think if you have purpose and intent behind it, then you're going to stay away from that overwork mode, if, if that makes sense. You know, Zach, one of the things you talk about a lot, this comes from Dawson, is he says, you, you talk a lot about different pregame routines that you and some of your different teammates or players you had throughout your years. What do you think the most important part of a pregame routine is? And what's one thing that every player should have in their pregame routine? Yeah, I think in everybody's routine, you have to be able to maximize and utilize the breath. And I, and I talked about that just a little bit already. But other than that, you have got to see yourself doing what you want to do. So, you know, and, and, uh, if we had more time, I'd show you video of it, but I used to do video analysis of myself all the time and I'd break down my swing. But when you guys do video analysis of yourself, you probably did it. Like I used to do it. I'd go in there, I'd break down my swing and I'd look at all of my bad things I'm doing in my swing. And I would say, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so when I step in the box, I'm reminding myself, you know, don't drop the barrel. Don't get out on the front side. Don't do this. Don't do that. I, I'm sitting there one day and I'm talking to Manny Ramirez, who I think is one of the best hitters to ever play the game of baseball. And you, some of you guys have heard this story, but I said, Manny, do you do video analysis? And he's like, I do. How often do you do it, Manny? Every single day. And I said, can I come watch one of your video analysis? And I go in there and instead of Manny watching himself strike out, okay, he's watching himself hit homer, double. He's got music on, blasting this loudspeaker, home run, double, home run, double. And he gets done with this three and a half, four minute video session, takes his headphones off, big body language, starts walking out with this big smile on his face. And I'm like, hold on a sec, time out. Let's watch that at bat where you struck out yesterday. Cause I want, you know, let's fix that one. And he goes, that's not me. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was you. He goes, that's not me. And he goes, I don't want, that's not the person I want to see before I walk out there on the field. So where am I getting out with that? I think you guys all need to be doing some positive visualization. You've got to see yourself out there on the playing field, whether it be through the, you know, the, the, the ball meditation we did today, or whether you create a highlight video of yourself and, and Brian Kane and myself, we do that for all of our players. We create highlight hype videos to your favorite song with some of these important, you know, comments, slogans, or messaging throughout them that you're going to watch before you go out there on the field, because this is a tough game. I mean, it takes a man to play the game of baseball. It really does. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of tough times. It's a tough, game. Okay. And the higher up you get, the tougher it gets. You have got to be able to see yourself succeeding instead of always telling yourself that you can't. Well, I think it's interesting, Zach, you mentioned the highlight video piece, right? And I mean, the New York Yankees, their director of mental performance is a guy named Chad Bowling. How about this for a job? Right. And he doesn't even have a website. He's like a shadow warrior. He's the mental performance coach for the Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys. And one of the big tools that they use, he came from the IMG Academy in Florida is personal highlight videos for every guy. So you know, I remember being with Team USA in 2013, and one of our pitchers, who was a first-round pick out of high school from Lawrence Academy in Massachusetts, and he was a first-round pick out of Vanderbilt, and he's now pitching with the San Francisco Giants, a kid named Tyler Beatty. And I remember, you know, Beatty would, before every time he would pitch, he'd sit and watch like a 15-minute video that he put together, and some of the clips were him. Like two minutes of the clips were him because he had some footage. But I imagine a lot of the high school players on here don't have a ton of footage of themselves or a ton of good footage of themselves. But we all have players who we like to you know, model our game after. So you can go onto YouTube and you can get video of those players that you like. And you can make your own highlight video of those guys as if it was you because your brain doesn't know the difference between what you visualize or what you physically experience. So by you watching 
those guys play the way they want to play. Maybe it's the energy. Maybe it's the, you know, Bobby Witt with and how graceful he is at, at shortstop or whatever it is. As you're watching those videos, you start to create those images of yourself and you start to put yourself in that situation. And I've done the same thing with, you know, and I work with Team USA men's and women's bowling, and they'll take their best strikes that they throw in bowling and just put them on a loop and just sit there and watch it. Trevor Bauer, right? I've had a chance to be to work with three Cy Young Award winners and, and Jake Arrieta, David Price, and Trevor Bauer. And one of the things that Bauer does is he has a video that goes all the way back to when he was at UCLA that has all the strikeouts he's had in college, minor league, and major league baseball. And he just watches this loop. Kobe Bryant used to do the same thing. He used to watch highlight videos of himself every day. And and this is all stuff that these guys are doing, you know, that they just kind of picked up on their own, not necessarily a strategy that they learned from a mental performance coach. And, you know, I think that's something that you guys can do uh, as high school players is find those guys that you like and make videos like them. But I got to share this with you. I learned this last night from coach Joel Sato, who's the head coach at Bingham high school in Utah. You know, he knew Zach growing up when Zach was a high school player in Utah. And I heard something last night that I didn't know about Zach that I thought was indicative of what it takes fellas to make it. And, you know, Zach, you used to, I believe it was go to a grocery store at four to 7 AM, five days a week to clean the grocery store when you were in high school. Why did you do that? Well, so, you know, I, I wanted to go to a couple camps. I knew I needed to get seen. Uh, and my dad, and I love the lessons that my dad and my mom taught me. I went to them and said, hey, there's a couple camps I want to go to. And they said, absolutely. We would love to help you get to those camps. What can we do to help you? And I love that answer because he didn't say, okay, let's do it. And he, and, and he, he went and signed me up. He says, how can I help you get to that point? So I said, well, I need to get a job. And he says, okay, I'm more than happy to help you get a job. Where would you like to work? And I said, well, I've got practice after school every day and weights and this and that. And so I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it. He says, no problem. I'll find you one. So a week later, we had a job cleaning the grocery store floors and it was seven days a week. All right. For four straight years, seven days a week. I think we got Christmas off was the one holiday that we got off, but the alarm went off every single morning at 3.50 AM. And we were at the grocery store by four. I was done by seven because school started, I believe it's 7.30, 7.45 or something like that. But there, you know, a couple of reasons why I, I needed, and I felt like I needed to be able to get to, uh, some of these camps or, or whatever it needed to be so I could get seen as a player. However, I didn't want it to interfere with my schoolwork. I didn't want it to interfere with my family time. And I didn't want it to interfere with my training. Okay. Whether it be, you know, taking ground balls or, or wall ball or whatever it may be. So that was the only slot it can happen. So I've used this a little bit lately, but you need to make well use of your time when you're not needed in other areas. All right. So that was the slot for me that it worked. And, and I, I love my dad and my mom and, and my siblings for getting up with me every single morning and going and helping me clean those floors so I could get to school on time. But, you know, what you're going to find out is the higher up you get in this game, work ethic is not a problem. These guys that, that, that Kane and myself had a, have a chance to work with, they know how to work. Uh, that's not the problem. They are looking for an advantage. All right. And I think you guys need to start thinking this way right now. You need an advantage. And if you want an advantage, the mental game will give you that advantage. All right. Because work ethic shouldn't be a problem. You should be doing everything your coaches are asking you to do during practice. And that's the easy part because it's what you're doing after practice. That's going to get you to the next level. You want the advantage though. 
All right. Because other, other guys are doing that out there across the country. I used to always think that I used to wear a t-shirt almost every day to school. Yes. Four or five times a week that said somewhere someone is practicing. And when you meet them in a head to head competition, he'll beat you. And I hated that t-shirt. I hated it so bad that I wore it every single day. Cause I always had this vision that there's this kid out in Florida. That's just like me as a player. And I would never be outworked by him. Work ethic is something that everybody has at that level. So I needed the advantage. That's where the mental game came in place. So if I could give you some advice right now, and I know we're going to wrap this up for how to respect for you guys. This came from Sean Casey. You got to do a little bit, a lot. Every single day for 18 straight years of his career, starting in high school, Sean Casey read one chapter out of the book, The Mental Game of Baseball. You need to find a book, whether it be, you know, the series of Brian Kane books, they're, they're loaded and chuck full of, of resources for you, whether it be the hard 90, get a book and read just a little bit out of it each and every single day. Okay. Whether it be a podcast, whatever it is, get in there every single day. And I promise you over time, you will gain an advantage over the competitive, over your competitors, but even more so you're just going to become the best version of yourself. Zach, last thing here for you. And then we'll wrap up is, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the t-shirt that you had and my friend, Sean Haggerty, who was a, was a Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL instructor now lives down in San Diego. And we were talking about motivation and, and how you how you play mental games with yourself, you know, as a soldier in combat to stay sharp and to stay on it every day when you know it can be life and death every day. And he said that in the weight room they had at their their place in Baghdad, right? So they're like, imagine a, a, a tent in the desert where these guys, these soldiers are living and they got a weight room in there to stay sharp, to stay, to stay fit. Is there was a sign that said, the enemy thanks you for taking today off and sleeping in. And I just wow. thought. Awesome. The enemy thanks you for taking today off and sleeping in, you know, and Zach, I think that's one of the messages I want our players to get here is that, you know, you were willing to put in the work you were, you were willing to, to, to do W I T, whatever it takes to get where you wanted to go. And, you know, you ended up going to, to Wichita state. And I remember the first time I think you and I met in person, I was there with TCU and you flew in to kind of hang out for the weekend for us to get to know each other. And we're walking around the stadium and I kind of paused and I was like, there's a statue. Zach Sorensen was a three-time All-American at Wichita State. There's a statue of him outside the stadium. And I'm walking by with you in the statue, and I'm like, bro, is that you there? You know, and you never would have said anything, and you're just, you know, your humility is fantastic. And I think one of the things also that I read in the book that I didn't know that I want to share with the players is, you know, you, you wanted to go to Stanford, and you went to Stanford, and you sat down with your coach. And tell us that story and how you use that as fuel for the rest of your career. Yes. You know, Stanford was a place I always wanted to go. I had my sights set on it. It was warm weather, but it was just a powerhouse academically as well as baseball. And, and so I had a good friend whose, whose dad actually played at Stanford and set me up a meeting with the assistant coach, Dean Stotts out there. So I went out there for an unofficial recruiting visit to Stanford. And I remember sitting in his office and he had three ring binders just stacked up on the, you know, on the walls and, and he pulled one down and he said, son, he said, uh, he goes, you know, players all across the country want to play for the Stanford University. He goes, do you think you're good enough to play at the Stanford University? And this was after he kind of just broke me down and, and basically told me that there was no chance I was going to get a shot to play there. And I looked back at him and I just said to him, I said, you know, I, I really feel like I can play for your program, but it doesn't look like I'm going to get a shot. And um, I said, thank you for your time. And it was very respectful of him. And I stood up and, and I kind of walked out. Um, about two months later, I got a phone call again from Stanford. And he says to me, hey, we started doing some homework and, and we've got some reports that you may be able to come play for us. And at that point, I, I, I said to him, I said, well, um, you know, 
plans have changed for me. And he says, well, what do you mean? I says, well, I'm going to go play out at Wichita State University. And he says, wow, that's a pretty good program. Now at the time, Wichita State was ranked number one in the country. They were the best team in the country. My whole freshman year, number one in the country, College World Series, the whole deal. And um, But before I told him I was going to go play at, at Wichita State, I snuck something else in there before I told him where. And he says, well, what's the plan? What are you doing? I says, well, I'm gonna, my plan is I'm going to go to Omaha and, and hopefully I'll see you there, coach. But what I use that for is, you know, what you have to realize is, is there's the blueprint that you have for yourself might not, might, might not always come true. However, if things get thrown off, you can either, okay, you can get bitter or you can get better. And so when I was told that I wasn't good enough to play at Stanford, I listened to everything everybody ever said to me. So if somebody told me things that were derogatory or I wasn't good at, I always listened to them instead of blow them away. Why? Because there's always probably a little bit of truth in what they're saying. So if someone is going to tell me I'm no good at doing this or doing that, I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge it and then I'm going to study it and I'm going to get better at it. And because of that, I'm going to beat it. And that's what happened in that situation. So I, I loved that Coach Stotts told me that he didn't feel like I was going to be good enough to play at Stanford. And I said, well, how come? Tell me why. And he gave me a list of the reasons why. And I went and just studied those, worked at those, and made those my strengths. And you guys can do the very same thing. But you got to be able to handle that. You don't take anything personal, okay? And recognize and realize that everything out there that is told to you, there's probably a little bit of truth in it. And you can either get bitter or you can get better because, you know, there's a lot of people out there getting bitter over what's being said about them. So separate yourself from that. Mental toughness, I think this comes from Goggins, is doing things that you don't want to do. And it's super easy to be mentally tough because everybody else is weak. All right. That's just where we're at. Everybody else is weak. So it's super easy to be mentally tough. And on the other side of doing things that you don't want to do is greatness. And that's what you guys are chasing. So doing things you don't want to do, the work ethic is always there and always be asking guys for evaluations and listen to what they say, because when they throw out those hard truths to you and you can take those, turn them around and get better because of them, that's how you're going to have the advantage over everybody else. And as a 14 to 18 year old young man, one of the things that jumped out in the book, hopefully to you, if you read it, and if you didn't read it, shame on you. Let's go, man. If you get tasked and you got the chance to, to meet the author, that's on you, man. Pursue greatness. And one of the things that Zach did in there, remember he asked his major league manager, Eric Wedge, for a scouting report. He goes, look, every opponent has a scouting report on me. You guys as an organization, the front office has a scouting report on me. The only guy that doesn't have my scouting report on me is me. And he said to his manager, give me the most accurate, detailed scouting report that you can so I can learn from it. And the manager's like, are you sure you can handle it? Yeah, I can handle it. So he gives him the scouting report. And then Eric Wedge, Zach, calls you in two days the next day to make sure that, you know, you could handle it. I think for you guys as young men, 14 to 18, okay, don't want anyone to sugarcoat it for you. Don't be concerned about them giving you positive reinforcement and positive affirmation and everybody gets a trophy. Just find a way to get better. And if you want to get better, you got to be able to handle the truth. And you got to go to your coach and go, I want the truth. I want the scouting report. What do I need to do to get better? Don't sugarcoat it. Just give it to me. So I got it with clarity and you have a coach that will do that for you, but you got to ask, you got to take ownership of it. And I think when you take ownership of it and you're willing to get that feedback and you can look at it and not, not get upset, not get personal coach doesn't like me. No coach loves you. That's why he's giving you honest feedback. You just got to be willing to want it and you got to be willing to handle it. And most importantly, you got to do something with it. Just like tonight's call. Just because you got on a call with some of the best high school coaches and players in America and a major league mental performance coach who played the game at that level, that's a rare combination. A guy that played at that level, now working at that level and has a master's in sports psychology, I know of maybe five guys on the planet that have done all that and you got one of them tonight. 
So what are you going to do with what you took from the hard 90? I love that. That's the call to action right there. And it's time for you to get in the game. I say that all the time, but get in the game. We want you to get in the game on the playing field, but even more important than that, you've got to get in the mental game because that's how you're going to separate yourselves from everybody else. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Jump on that podcast. Start start just hearing this stuff every single day. If you love it, go, go throw a review out there for us and we'll keep building this thing up. And if I can do anything for you, all right, your coaches know how to get a hold of me and I'd love to help in any way I can. So thank you. Awesome. And coaches, if you can process kind of the breakdown with your players, what they take from the hard 90 and put that in, that would be fantastic. And uh, next week, fellas, we're going to wrap it up on week 10. So I want you to come at us with questions because maybe the last chance we get to interact together. Also, I'm going to try to to get Corbin Burns on here. He's a hard guy to get right now. Everybody wants him. So we're going to see if we can make that happen, but I can't make any promises other than I'm going to do my best. So until then, fellas, thanks again for being here. And again, please make sure you have a game plan of what you're going to do to put this into action and don't let it die in your head. Get it down on paper, share it with your coaches or a teammate tomorrow so that you can close that gap from where you are to where you want to be. Zach, thanks for being with us and dominate the day. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to BrianKane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for, check out my Mental Performance Mastery Coaches Certification, where we teach you about the mindset, routines, and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for. If you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast, head over to briancane.com and click on Athletes. Check out my 30 Days to Mental Performance Mastery for Athletes program, where I walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success. Thanks for being with us here on the podcast. Let's dominate the day.